This is a Color Pencil Podcast, session number 121. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. My name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined, as usual, by Lisa of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm never better. So this is a show about colored pencil, and we provide weekly information, resources in tips and reviews sometimes, and sometimes we interview artists. So, Lisa, what are we doing today? We've got seven pro color tips for colored pencil artists. Yeah, so as with anything that we talk about, I mean, these are just, you know, some tips that we have. They're not gospel and shouldn't be taken as hard and fast rules, but they're just more things to consider. So it kind of works that same way with composition tips. I mean, you see artists break those quote-unquote rules all the time. So whatever works for you. But I think these are some core things that if you think about these and if you can use these, then I think it will help you quite a bit. So number one, decide on the colors that you're going to use in your project ahead of time. So when you sit down and you're about to start your drawing, what I like to do is I'll just grab like if I look and I see there's a blue I'm going to be using, I'll grab about five colors of the blue that I think will work of the medium value, the value, the local color of that blue. And then I'll sit down and I'll just start doing some test swatches to find out which color of those will work. And I'm going to do that with probably just about every color. You don't have to do that all at the beginning if you don't want to. You can do it as you progress through your project. Another thing that you can do, one of the things that I do before I start a project, instead of making color swatches that way, you can make digital color swatches with pretty much any app on your phone with a, a sort of painter, painting app. So I guess I shouldn't say any app because it would have to actually be a painting app. There's one called Art Rage I like. You can use the free version of Autodesk Sketchbook Pro. That'll do it for you. Um, or Photoshop is what, where I actually do mine. But you can take your reference photo and make little color swatches for different areas. And I find this to be really helpful with certain things like I did a piece recently where it had the American flag in the background. And my mind looks at the blue area and thinks, okay, that's going to be blue. The white's going to be white. The, there, That was just not the case. When I did the color matching or did the little color swatches, I found that's not blue. That's dark, dark gray, like a cool gray, but mm -hmm. it's still gray. The white on the flag, that was cream and pinks and not white at all. There was really no white, white on there. The reds were because of the way that the gloss was on it. A lot of corals and pinks and orange. I mean, just colors that our brain, we see the American flag, we think, okay, red, white, and blue. Those really weren't the colors, the main colors used. And so being able to take an application or Photoshop and make little color swatches to get a better idea of what colors certain things are, especially in a case like this where my mind wanted to see blue, even though that wouldn't have been accurate in this case. So that's really helpful, too. Yeah, another one is Color Grab. That's another good app to use on your phone. And what that one does is it immediately will open up your camera and it will just start recording every color and give you the hex decimal code for 
each color that it is seeing. So that's really helpful. And then you just hit a check mark and it'll store all of those colors and you can re refer back to it later. So if you want to just do that very quickly, you can get those colors there on your phone for you. It's not that these apps are going to tell you this is the color pencil it would be. It's just that you can no. see larger what that one little spot looked like. And when you can see it bigger and with the color matching apps, they'll show you kind of a bit of a, not really a color wheel, more of a color square, but you'll see, okay, how, how close to gray is this? How bright is this color? Is it closer to orange or is it closer to yellow or that sort of yeah. thing? It gives you a much better idea and just being able to see that color, that one little spot on your reference photo to see it big makes it really easy to figure out which colored pencil you may, may want for that. Yeah, because then you can look at the color and remove all the chroma and figure out, oh, that's actually an orange or, yeah. you know, it looked like a gray, but actually that's a blue or that's a pink or whatever. Because when so, you look yeah. at your reference photos, you'll see part will be like what I was saying with the American flag. My brain is saying red, white, and blue. It doesn't want to see the color because it is so certain those are what the colors are. The other mm -hmm. thing is, depending on what color is next to a color, something you'll look at and you'll be like, okay, that's clearly blue when it's really a bluish purple. It, mm -hmm. Or, you know, or grayish purple, not mm -hmm. blue purple. Wrong word there. That's actually fairly close. But you'll see things just because of the color next to it can cause an illusion. When reds and blues are next to each other, it can be a little bit hard to judge which blue that should be. So when you see that just zoomed in on the one color, it makes it really easy to choose which pencils you are going to want to use for that area. Now, not to just beat a, a, a horse while it's down, but that's one reason why I really like this color grab. What's that? I said poor horse. Poor horse. Oh, yeah. So because what you can do with this is after you click on the little swatch that it has, you can look at the RGB and you can see the percent, the level, and it gives you just this little color graph of what percent is red and is green and is blue. So that's really helpful. And then you can tell, oh, that actually has a higher percentage of green or something like that. So. Yeah, it's really, really helpful. It's probably, I would say, the biggest tips I can or tip I can give to somebody, the main tip for somebody who is really struggling with color is learn to use. And you can learn quick. You don't have to be good at any of these things to get a basic idea of which color you're going to choose. But it, right. it simplifies well, things. And even with me, I've yeah. always been very good at color matching. But still, I use these things because it makes it, it simplifies it that much more. It yeah, makes it you so can't, easy. It, sometimes it's hard to judge just by looking at it. And that's that's where you want to. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you need to be married to those colors. You can still make adjustments based on what you think. And we'll go into that more later. But it, it really is a help. So number two would be to use a limited color palette. It gets very, very overwhelming when you've got a million colors to choose from. You can go as simple as going with a black, a white, and a blue. Make yourself a seascape and sky, skyscape. Wow, I'm making up words now. Um, seascape, I like it. you know, get the sky and the clouds. And Check out my skyscape. Yeah, look how awesome my skyscape is. Um, make a new hashtag for, look <laughs> right. how dumb Lisa is. She's, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could really run with that one. Hashtag skyscape on everything now. I already call birds sky chickens, so there you go. But anyway, if you make use a limited color palette, just three colors, four colors, even ten colors, go with yeah. a fewer colors to start with. It's way less overwhelming than when you look at your entire set of 120 polychromos or whatever you're using. It's not that you can't eventually use those colors, but when you're starting off, if you're really struggling with colors, use less of them. Don't focus so much on, on I don't know which shade of orange. I don't, you know, just... Break it down into just a handful of colors, and it will really make it easier for you. Okay, next, 
learn just the basics of color theory. You know, you don't have to get real involved in it, but each time that you do a project, just decide, okay, I'm going to learn a little bit, something new regarding color theory. And if looking at the opposites and trying to judge the opposite of the local color is a challenge for you right now, that would be one I would tackle then. Just looking at whatever the color is and then deciding, okay, what is the opposite of that color? And then just challenge yourself to create shadows using that opposite color because you're pushing that back towards a neutral when you do that, obviously. So that would be my next tip. And another thing with color theory that's so nice is if you can understand complementary colors, that will solve so many of your color problems. I see this a lot where people will complain about ink tents or different things. It's too bright, which is funny because then I'll see people complain that the same pencils are too dull. If if a color is too bright, mix a little bit or a layer a little bit of its complementary color over or under it, and that will neutralize it and it will give you a much more natural, more muted tone. So mm-hmm. let's say you're trying to mix an olive green, but you don't actually have olive green. You're using this green, it's super bright, add a little bit of red. Red would be its complementary color. And if you're really not familiar with, with the color wheel, a complementary color is just the color that is directly across from that color on the color wheel. So yellow and purple, red and green, blue and orange. But if you mix a little bit of its complementary color or layer some of the complementary color, that is going to give you a more neutral, much more natural look than something that's really bright and almost fluorescent. Yeah. If we just bored you to death and you already knew all that, okay, great. Then try to think about the warm and the cool colors and, you know, Learn something new regarding color theory. Just push yourself just a little bit more. Maybe even purchase, you know, buy a book on color theory and then try to apply that. Maybe something in the field of oils or uh, acrylics and then apply that in colored pencil. That can be pretty challenging and a lot of fun. And if you're just getting started with color theory, it's so easy to feel overwhelmed. And if you get a book, you can read this and go, or with anything, subject really. But you can get this book and be like, that's too much information. I'm not absorbing it. Like Jean was saying, pick one thing. Don't try to, to absorb it all at once. Pick one thing to focus on. Really think about that one thing. Ignore the rest of the book for now. Just understand the one thing before mm-hmm. you try tackling some of the other stuff because it definitely can get overwhelming. There's a lot involved with color theory. Um, Absolutely. Simplify it for yourself. Right. Okay, so the next tip, push yourself past using grays and blacks for your shadows and for you know increasing the chroma or the values. And just force yourself to use color like we we were just talking about with the opposite colors use color instead and so that will push you in a direction that maybe you're uncomfortable with but it'll increase your color theory knowledge and it'll actually make your paintings or your drawings look more alive and it, it can actually add more depth and more interest to the drawing. Now, John and I work very different on this because I'm a huge fan of grays and blacks, but I layer other colors over it. Very, very rarely will I leave black straight black. I've got a few pieces where I just liked the way the black looked on its own, but that's fairly rare for me. I do like using grays and blacks. So, you know, you've got to figure out what works best for you. So I wouldn't necessarily say for the way I work to avoid those colors. But John's right. Watch that with the shadows because even if you work with grays and blacks like I do, I still need to watch my shadows because those shadows so often would be purple, not straight black. It, or, yeah. you know, diff- there's so many different colors involved there. Right. And even if I put black down first, I'm going to put those other colors over it. And it gives me a much more, like John was saying, you get more depth. It looks so much more real than just straight black shadows on everything. And really watch where to. Yeah, my only thing about it is if and I'm talking to somebody who is just starting out and if you're if you're just using blacks or grays or even whites all the time 
just think for a moment about how often you see black or white, pure white, in nature. You know, organically, we just don't see that very often. And so it, it, it can become like a handicap to us if we start using that and we don't push ourselves to actually see the real the colors that we're, are really there. It's so true, too. I was just, I'm working right now on a seascape. I'm working in acrylics. And I did my color matching, like we talked about with our first tip. I did my color matching palette with Photoshop. And as I was looking at that, it's a seascape. I mean, it's just the waves. There's no sky or anything. No, no, no skyscape on this one. But (laughs) I'm looking at that thinking, okay, the deeper shadows, obviously, that's going to be black. The the sea foam, and there's a lot of it, I'm going to use a lot of white. And when Mm -hmm. I actually started doing the color matching, because my brain was looking at that going black and white on those areas. When I did the color matching, nope, it was a deep, deep emerald green, not black at all. And then the highlights, not a single area was straight white. Not one bit of that sea foam yeah, was straight white. Yeah, I can now, believe it. I'll probably add highlights of that, but not much. Yeah. It doesn't need it. It's mostly gray, like a, a yeah. pale gray, like a definite gray, though. It was it, right. it was interesting how different it was. And our, our mind, I mean, it's just something that happens uh, to us inside our, our head. Our mind interprets these things, and it, it makes us think, oh, there, there's a lot of blacks here, a lot of grays or whites. And yeah, in reality, it's probably not the case. But the the interesting thing about it is, if you push yourself to actually use a color instead, then here's what will happen to you. If you're someone who has not done this much in the past, you're going to start looking around in nature. I mean, when you're out driving or you're out taking a walk or whatever, and you're going to start seeing colors that you never saw before. You're going to look up in the sky and you're going to see colors that you never saw before. They've always been there. It's just that you're now becoming more aware of that. And it's so fun. It's so exciting. You're going to you're going to have a lot of pleasure in just some of the simple things in life that you can look around and see. <laughs> and you're going to feel like the rest of the world doesn't know the secret that you know. <laughs> That's at least how I feel often. Our next tip is to start off with lighter or brighter colors than you have to, and then darken them up as you progress into your layers. That generally makes it a lot easier to control. Now, there are exceptions. There are times where I'll start with a mid-tone and work up and down from that, just depending on how bright I need to go. If I know I don't need super, super bright, then sometimes, like if I'm drawing a gray feather, I may start with a medium gray and then lighten it to a lighter gray by using white, but it's never going to be white, white. Overall, with colored pencil, with your colors, it is usually going to be much easier to start with those bright, bright colors and then slowly darken them up. Now, one thing that I do that's maybe a little bit different than John is I will usually start with my darkest areas, like, and I don't mean everywhere. I mean, like, the eyes, the inside of the ears, the nose. I may block those zones in first, and even within those, I'll still start with the lighter colors and then work up to my darks. But I'll block, I like to block those in on a portrait if I'm working on a wolf or something like that, I block those in first because it makes it so much easier for me to judge the rest of my values. Otherwise, I have a tendency to feel like I'm always too dark when in fact, I really am not getting it the color saturated enough. But if you start with those lighter colors first and build to your dark, it does give you more control. You're less likely to, to have an act a whoops of oh, that was way darker. And now I don't need to I don't know how to lighten this up. You can always lighten things up to an extent, but it is way easier if you just don't go too dark to start with and you keep building and building until you get your darker areas where you want them. But again, I do find putting those dark, the eyes, the inside of ears, the nose, that sort of thing, I like to get those areas done first. 
just because it makes it easier for me to judge the rest of the values on the piece. We do progress through our drawings, it sounds like, sort of similar there in that regard. Because it's absolutely true, in colored pencil, it is so much easier to erase or to lean something in a different direction with layers if you start lighter than if you start darker. You're always going to have a chance of something going really wrong if you start out really dark. I mean, it's just harder to do that. So you're just making it easier on yourself if you're starting with a lighter color. But I I do the same thing with blocking in some of the shadowed areas, and I'll usually start in a mid-tone range for that dark area. So something's in shadow. I'm going to start with a mid-range of the shadow, not the darkest part of the shadow. And I'm going to build out from there and then I'll darken it up later on. But yeah, it's the same kind of concept. Start lighter than darker is basically what we're saying there. All right, so next tip, don't let a reference photo dictate to you what the colors are going to be. Don't don't let yourself just become trapped into thinking, "Oh, well, that's just not quite the color that I wanted. That that is not the color that I see right here on my reference photo, and I just can't quite get that perfect. I can't get that color to be exactly what I'm seeing." That's that's kind of a trap because everything that you're doing on your drawing or your painting is relative. And I can't stress that enough. It's you're not doing an exact you're not a photocopyist. You're not doing an exact representation of the photo. That's not what you are as an artist. What you are is you're an artist and you're a creative individual that is you're representing something and you're trying to convince the viewer that what they're looking at on this flat surface is actually three-dimensional and is convincing as something that is real and something that is uh, beautiful in and of itself. And so your colors, your values, everything is relative to what you're doing on your particular drawing. And this is the reason why I can get away with not using pure black most of the time. I never say never. Sometimes I do use black. But this is the reason because my values are going to be just a set amount of of, uh, this color range. And if I don't go all the way in one direction then I don't have to have that much difference in in the values. In in other words, the mid-tone range will dictate to me what I'm actually conveying with the colors. So what I'm what I'm trying to say and using too many words to say it in is that that what what's going on is you are creating something that is that is relative to itself and so if you have something that in the darkest area is only maybe a, a lighter charcoal gray then that's the darkest area in your particular drawing and then if the lightest area is not white but is some kind of grayish color or cream or blue or something that is not all the way matching the reference that you're looking at, that's okay. And just remember that you're creating something relative to what you're creating on your project. Yeah, and I change colors myself on stuff intentionally all the time. You know, our first tip, talking about deciding your colors ahead of time and the way we were talking about making these, using these color matching tools, those are helpful, but I'm, like John was saying, I'm not married to them. I'm going to make different decisions on mine based on what I think will look best. I just recently finished a piece, it wasn't colored pencil, but it was of a turtle, and my reference photo were all grays. I could have done that in straight black and white and had it look like an like a photograph, the same photograph I took. I mean, it, there was no color. I added purples and magenta and yellows, oranges, blues. I added so many colors into this, and it 
that it made it look more like what you know it fit with what I was yeah. doing because I had a different background where gray wouldn't have made any sense. So you. While, yes, those color matching tips are good and helpful, especially if you're you're really struggling with color, it doesn't have to be exactly like that. And the main reason actually brings us into our next point is just the, it's the values. The values mm-hmm. matter more than the colors themselves. If you can get your values right, and I always say this, I use this as an, as an example all of the time. There was an artist who used to do uh, photorealism, or he probably still does, but he would do these portraits that were super realistic, and the only colors he used were black, white, and purple, or just, I think, black and purple. He may have been letting the paper show through or something to get the highlights, and they, it just looked like a portrait that was taken under a purple light. It looked mm-hmm. so real realistic because his values were correct. The values were what made you look at that and go, wow, that looks real. That looks like somebody under a purple light, even though the whole thing where it was just purple and black. I mean, that it really was that simple. Your values matter more than everything else. One of the questions I get so often, what colors do you use? Did you use for something or another? And I understand why people ask that because I remember feeling this when I started. If I just knew what colors the artist used, I'd be able to, to imitate that look. No, it's the values. It's how light your lights are, how dark your darks are. Get that contrast. That is what's going to make yourself look really realistic. It doesn't matter. If I paint a tiger and I find that perfect orange, it doesn't matter because there should be lots of different oranges, lots of different values in there. One color, I'm just going to, that one perfect color is just going to make my work look flat if I do that everywhere. Yeah. And, And this is sort of outside of the scope of color tips, but it's still important and it matters a lot when we're talking about values. And that is uh, two Kind of your point there, Lisa, with regard to that one artist that you're referring to that used black, white, and purple. The thing about that is, is if you're using the proper values in in the right spots, then it does convey realism. But even beyond that, what happens is, if you know your subject matter so well then what happens is you can make some artistic decisions. Some You can use your artistic license to make these calls to decide whether or not a particular value is going to convey more realism to the viewer or not. Because it sometimes it doesn't matter if you put in a darker value where you see one in, in a reference photo because it doesn't always convey that to the viewer. In a photo, in a, in a photograph taken from a camera, Often it does look uh, convincing no matter what, because there's something in our minds that just just knows this is a photograph. So this is real. This is reality. But in a drawing, not so much. And we can we can make some decisions based on the overall look and feel of the three dimensionality of the particular subject matter that we're drawing. And that all has to do with the values. And so some of the most beautiful, realistic drawings that I have ever seen and paintings on Pinterest, they're very limited in their palette and they look very realistic. And so it all has to do with the use of and the judgment call with the values that the artist made. All right, so those are the tips that we decided to share today. There are many others, I'm sure. Maybe you have a pro color tip that you would love to share with us, and we would love to hear that. You can share that inside the show notes over at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. You can always reach out to us on Twitter. Lisa's at Lockery. I'm at Sharpened Artist. We have a Facebook group over in uh, Facebook called the Color Pencil Podcast, and you can... Email us, podcast at sharpenedartist.com. And we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. Sky chickens. Hashtag skyscape.